The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. And if I sound a little down this week, it's because it's been a very tumultuous week when it comes to our program. Two sets of guests who are very, very dear to us have announced that there have been major changes in their lives. Their messages to me were so inspiring that I did not want to not share them with you just because of this. So I've re-edited the show to bring you their wonderful words of inspiration, dedication, and passion. And I know it's going to be a very special show that you will appreciate as well. I also interviewed the amazing Lee Harrington this week. Lee is going to have to step back from the kink community for a while to deal with his own personal issues. He set out an amazing post this week, wishing everyone well and asking for understanding. We will still air our show with Lee as well because he is such an inspiration to us. And we hope this podcast is an inspiration to you. I want you all to know that you're not alone. We all have our struggles. We all have our transitions. We all have the things that we care about and the things that we have to endure. I know the past two years have been that for me, and I've been able to get through it mostly through the help of this very podcast. So I want to keep bringing you some inspirational messages and some wonderful people who will allow you to know that this community in which we live is a wonderful one and we should celebrate it as much as we possibly can. So with that, here's my interview with Dia Dynasty and Lucy Sweetkill from the streets of New York on what women and other wonderful humans want. As always, we start with the first five, five questions about first with Lucy Sweetkill and Dia Dynasty. Question number one, first time you ever walked into your space before it was finished and imagined the possibilities, what was going through your mind, Lucy? Well, we both walked in at the same time because we were looking for it. Um, we just kind of knew <laughs> there was something, there was just like, the things we were looking for, we just kind of knew, and it was like perfect for all of that. So it was really, uh, we had seen a bunch of spaces and it just felt like this is it. Dia, what yeah. was so magical about it? Um, I think like physically, we walked into what felt like uh, a place that nobody wanted to live. Um, it was, <laughs> it was um, overlooking an alley and um, the windows faced black walls and, um, and it was very dark and <laughs> it felt like, you know, if 
if I were to choose an apartment for myself, it was definitely not the place where I would want to live, but it would be the perfect place to torture other people. <laughs> so uh, we both just kind of had this very synchronous feeling. You know, it's hard to describe what that feeling is unless you feel it. Of course. Yeah. So it was both, we were both just like, this is it. <laughs> to Lucy, first time you remember going from San Francisco to New York, how different did it feel? Um, it felt so much better, actually. Like, even though I grew up in San Francisco, it didn't always really feel like home um, in a lot of ways. And so when I came to New York for the first time, it felt like home. Even though I was visiting, um, I was just visiting a friend who lived in New York. It just felt like home. I felt I could see myself being here, living here, doing everything here. And it wasn't until a few years later that I would move to New York because after I came to visit, it was in the plans to be pretty immediate, but things happened in my life that kept me in San Francisco. So the moment when those things sort of settled up, I came straight to New York. Dia, first time you realized that New York City was indeed the place for you. Um, the first time would be before I even started living here. Uh, I, I visited New York City when I was in high school. So I was 17 years old. Um, I had come to this area with my best friend and she and I stayed in a place in New Jersey, like her family, you know, her cousins, her aunts, what, you know, something like that in Kearney, New Jersey. Um, and, and we decided, of course, we have to visit New York City. You know, we, we have to see what that's about. And she had a cousin named Morris, who, uh, I don't know, he was like coordinating the backstage something or other at a fashion show in um, at the limelight. And um, I'm, I'm sure I'm dating myself, but this was, of course, the you know, one of the, like the last payday days of, of the limelight. Um, I was 17 and we got to go in with Morris who was, you know, doing this fashion show there. And we were just these kids and he, he made up, you know, he told us, oh, we should say that we're 21 and we're um, like at our second semester at um, the, the, the RISD School of Design. I didn't even know what any of that was. Um, <laughs> so of course we got in and in this place, the limelight um, was just magical. It was something beyond imagination. It was dark. It was, you know, uh, something that felt like, like a, a scene out of hackers. Mm -hmm. um, it was like, like full of weird people and cool music and, and there, there was this fashion show and it was so glamorous and so gritty at the same time. And I was like, this is where I need to live. <laughs> and by the way, uh, for those of you who are listening and hear a horn honk, this is absolutely beautiful because Dia is literally out on the streets of New York and we're getting to experience it ourselves. So that's beautiful. I love that, by the way. Oh, I'm glad that's not a, an awful, annoying thing for you because I was supposed to be indoors, but um, I just had to, you know, scramble to get out of this thing and I'm in Soho right now. I think that's great. It gives us a little bit of vibe of the city. So that really makes it even better. Okay, Dia, first time you ever realized that you're not for everyone, which is the first line of your bio. Okay. Um, gosh, that's, that's probably going to have to be somewhere in high school also where I hung out with the art school kids um, or the art kids. And, and I was clearly, you know, not a part of the, the, you know, the popular common girls club. Um, we called them the bowheads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause they wore bows on their heads 
and <laughs> um, and and I was I was in I was I wasn't even into the things that the art school kids were into. I was into like like heavy metal and <laughs> um, and and like bloody morbid macabre stuff. And um, it wasn't like easy to classify me as like goth or as um, as anything really because I, I liked kind of a little bit of everything and I felt even in, like an outsider with the outsiders so I was kind of like okay you know not everybody's gonna like me and I'm gonna have to try to get used to that. Lucy first time you ever felt a little bit different um most probably with my family i was a kid who bit all the other kids <laughs> and so um i come i have a really big um ex, you know kind of extent I've, my mom has 10 brothers and sisters so i have like a million cousins uh, too many to count. And of the older set of cousins, I am the youngest, one of the youngest of the older set. And then there's like a big gap. And then there's like a, a younger set of like 40 plus cousins. Mm. Um, I, and I, so I spent a lot of my life around my cousins, at least the early part of my life, like all my friends were my cousins because there were so many of us, but I was always sort of the odd one out because of the things I was into, but also the fact that I would, you know, bite my cousins, bite my sister. <laughs> and I was also into like really weird stuff as like a child, like really dark things that didn't really connect with my cousins as well and then also music was very different for me like I was listening to the Beatles at a really young age while where I grew up um you know most of my cousins you know I I love California hip-hop but it's kind of funny because I actually didn't even get into that until I was more like a a teenager like I was listening to like really you know, kind of older music for my age group um, at like seven and eight and stuff like that. But it's also because I was, I think it had to do with, I've always been a bit of an insomniac. And so when I was a child, I'd watched Nick at Night a lot because it was like the only thing on TV really late. And so I've seen like every Bewitched and every I Dream of Jeannie and all of those at like a really young age because I just wouldn't sleep and I would sneak and watch TV. And so I think like music in that era, just really, you know, I listened to a lot of it because I kind of was surrounded by it through like being a little insomniac kid. <laughs> Lucy, I'll start with you this time. First time you ever hit someone with an implement and your feelings while doing it? I feel, <laughs> I feel like that was me as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Teeth don't count yet. <laughs> yeah, and also like, I was a, I was a tomboy, right? Uh, so I roughed house with a lot of my cousins. I had a lot of boy cousins. Um, so sometimes like I would fight back, you know, and so I'd hit them with like um, in Vietnamese culture and a lot of Asian cultures, there's a very specific, um, it's a feather duster, but it looks very specifically. It's like wood and there'd be like these feathers on it or else there's these kind of colorful ones that were plastic with a bunch of like, you know, rainbow colored like plastic thingies coming out of it so that was what was used to discipline us naughty kids um, in Vietnamese culture that was the cane basically that you know you knew when you know uh, an aunt or an uncle or your mom grabbed that you were really in trouble <laughs> but I would also use it to hit my cousins when they would kind of try to attack me but I mean 
I always enjoyed using instruments to sort of hit folks when I was a kid. So I'm not surprised that I enjoy doing it as an adult. <laughs> yeah, how about you? Um, I'm trying to think back beyond the dominatrix times. And I don't really, I don't think I ever hit anybody um, with, with an instrument. I think um, I've definitely used my hand and my fists. Um, does that count? <laughs> not quite okay um gotten into fights before um so those don't count <laughs> but um it was definitely in the in the the commercial dungeon where lucy and i first met that i first used um, a striking implement to hit somebody and it was thrilling it was like it was like i don't know if you've ever seen um a slow motion video of, of something being hit. It's like, it's like the skin kind of like, does this like, won't want was like, does this like, you know, ripply thing. Mm -hmm. And it, and I felt those vibrations and those ripples like in my body. And it was like, like it, it kind of gives me chills just thinking about it because there's, there's a, so much power in it. And, and I felt that very strongly my very first time. When I go to a bakery or a deli, I always look up and, and I don't know if it's an East Coast thing or what, but there's always that first dollar bill that they made as a business and they frame it and they put it up there. <laughs> My question to you for the final of the first five, and please discuss amongst yourselves, your very first client and what it was like when he walked in the door. Well, I guess, you know, it, it's a little different because we both started at a house. Um, and, and for me, my first session um, was actually with Dia because I had started, you know, a little bit after her. And so she was part of the training group, um, the people who were training the new doms. Um, and so my very first session and scene was with Dia with a uh, client appropriately named uh, Baby Arm Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was CBT focused, as you might imagine. <laughs> um, and he was this very, you know, younger, very, you know, smaller guy. Like, I'm not that tall, and he was definitely like my height esque. Um, and I was. You know, I, I was honestly surprised um, because I didn't actually see him come through, like how the whole thing was set up. Um, they kind of come through and they're placed in the room before I, you know, there there is an admin person who sort of leads them and through all of that. And so they're already in the room waiting by the time you are in there. So it was more about us walking into the room compared to him walking into the room so when we walked in I I think you know it's been so long but I th I really remember thinking like oh I wasn't expecting him to be so young actually um I definitely thought for some reason it was just going to be all older clients um and at the time I was 25 so uh, and he was definitely around my age. So, you know, him being so young, um, and then how, uh, how much pain he could handle, which was really amazing. I was very, very like my, it felt like the first time my sadism was allowed to actually like come out and it was really thrilling in that sense um and also just how much 
laughter and fun it was. Like no aspect of that scene was serious by any means. It was super fun and lighthearted and ridiculous and, um, you know, just enjoyable from every aspect. And my nerves sort of just like went away right away because it was so like, it felt like weirdo friends hanging out. That's all it felt like. (laughs) Definitely was that too. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't feel like a, a, a client relationship. It didn't feel like there were these barriers or boundaries of connection. It felt very, just like, it felt very warm, to be honest. It, it felt warm. It felt like I was exploring like a kid again type of thing. Um, yeah. And, and it was really amazing. That was my first client. <laughs> Dia, how about your memories? Oh, gosh. Um, so I've always identified as a pervert. And, and when, when I, you know, just like Lucy says, like, first got this opportunity to be a pervert to express my, you know, per- pervertness. Um, it, it felt like, it felt like play. And, and so my first memorable my first memory because I have kind of a bad one of of the you know very first client that I ever saw also at the house was a chef and he came in (laughs) and he had brought some things with him um one of which was a a big tub of Crisco and um and then these you know like yellow dishwashing gloves you know household item kitchen items that probably everybody Every, every kitchen in America has. Mm-hmm. And, and then he says, I want you to fist me. And I said, with these things, you know, that like, that everybody, like these kitchen things, these, these things that we're going to pervert and, and put to use in such a, like a twisted way. Yeah. Yes, please. And it was, it was like, it was so much fun because it opened me up to the possibility that so many other people also have like this idea of perverting you know kind of like household items and and then like getting to put my whole hand in somebody's ass like that was that was I didn't even know that was possible um (laughs) so like all these all these kind of like amazing things happening swirling around it, it, one of my very first experiences with BDSM, professional BDSM, put me on a high that I, when I left that session and walked out the door into daylight, I felt like my head was not attached to my body. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we will talk clients and connections in a moment. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress is available now on Kindle, and you can pre-order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. 
Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined by Lucy Sweetkill and Dia Dynasty. What makes a good client? That's a really good question. I think there's there's commonalities um, amongst all of us, and then there's more specifics to each individual, um, and and I'm gonna start with things that are, I think, more common is um, respect, <laughs> treating us like um, humans with um, with lives and feelings, and and not treating us like um, fetish dispensers. That's that's a big one. Lucy, you want to go next? Um. Yeah, adding to that, I would say, you know, treating what we do as a legitimate business um, with anyone who is a professional in their line of work, how you would treat a professional in their line of work that you are hoping to um, be you know, hoping to be accepted in some sort of service, right? Um, and that requires, you know, communicating with us as if we are professionals, which, such as not doing stuff like, are you a veil? <laughs> you know, like reaching out at appropriate hours, uh, fully formed sentences and emails, reading websites, you know, just really, it's not uncommon of what most people do day to day when they are looking for any other sort of service or business, right? When a client is disrespectful, after you've tried to vet them as much as you possibly can, what's the best way to handle it? I think a very polite and professional, but brief um, decline, you know, saying something like, I don't think that our interests will align, or I don't, um, uh, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and keeping it relatively brief, um, not going to too deep into trying to correct them or um, or, or just explaining yourself. Um, and, you know, there's always kind of like opportunity sometimes when, when we sense that somebody does want to do better and they'll ask, uh, which is always welcome. You know, it's like some people just don't know how to behave and, and they want to know. So they hopefully will ask. Um, but, a lot of times, you know, when somebody shows themselves, shows their true color by being, you know, like um, racist or misogynist or, or just generally ugly, um, that's, that's my cue to just leave it at that. Not go any further. 
Yeah, I would say, you know, because there's variations um, in the whole process that someone could unfortunately um, show disrespect, meaning like if it's very much at the beginning where we've never met, we haven't had any like consultations or anything, and this is just purely the submission form aspect, if they're not for example, if I, you know, I'm very clear in my communications, most DOMs, professional DOMs are as well. If you can't read my full email um, and respond appropriately and you're still kind of sending me a bunch of emails with all these questions without doing, you know, X, Y, Z that I've already asked you to lay out, then I just simply reply, we're not going to be a good match. Good luck. Simple as that. And clut. Uh, cut it clear. If they've gone through the process a little bit further and, and there is some sort of, you know, issue that arises such as maybe like, um, you know, after, you know, going through the vetting process and they did that great, maybe after our first scene and then maybe something they're doing in the first scene, our, our, our time together, right? Maybe pushing boundaries, something like that. Um, that's very in the moment. And I'm very clear about like, you know, stopping the scene and being like, hey, you know, I've been clear to not do X, Y, Z, and you're still doing this. So, you know, you can either, you know, we can either move forward from this by you behaving correctly, or we're stopping this scene right now and you can leave, you know. Um, luckily, I haven't really had those incidences. So I'm lucky in that aspect, you know, back at the house, there was one or two. But, you know, since I've been independent, that hasn't happened. And then I think the biggest one, just because I was having this conversation recently with a few, you know, other prodoms, which is um, disrespect that happens in established relationships with clients and subs, um, because that tends to happen a little more because when you build this closeness and bond, it's almost like the, the people you're closest to, sometimes you feel okay treating the worst you know, like dumping on them or whichever. And I think sometimes when you create this really deep bond with a sub, they forget that, you know, because there's like this intimacy that happens and this trust that happens and this vulnerability that happens, I think there's a tendency for some subs to then kind of unload on you in a way that's very disrespectful or think it's okay to take their bad day out on you. And that just takes like really clear communication and letting them know why, like, no, like that's not okay for you to do that. I know there's a bond that's happening, but it's not okay just because we've had a long-standing, you know, and I'm not talking about DS dynamics, which is different. I'm talking about client, long-standing client relationships. You know, I've seen that. I've had clients I've known for 10, 11 years. And because we've become so close, sometimes they feel it's okay to like, you know, dump on you or take their bad day out on you. And I've had to just be really clear, like, no, it's not okay for you to do that. And it's not okay for you to treat me this way. And you know, and luckily most of them have really recognized that and, you know, have, you know, made amends. But I think a lot of prodoms who've been in the business a long time will have very similar experience when you kind of create a close relationship with any client, you know. When I watch videos, and I said this to Christina Carter on the second ever show, and she kind of was taken aback by it. When I watch videos, especially when there's a damsel in distress, because I'm very much a, a skin tight fetishist, super heroin, damsel in distress type person. I don't necessarily get turned on by what they're wearing or their body or anything like that. What gets me is the mind. What's going through their mind? What is that experience like? So I want to put that to you all. When a client comes in because they see the beautiful women that you are, 
the clothes that you wear, everything that is making them feel in the moment. What is the thing that makes you feel in the moment and get that wonderful connection with your client? What is it that you want out of them? Um, honestly, I think that the willingness to, um, to, to really surrender to the experience is, uh, very attractive, but that doesn't mean like just lay there and be a rag doll. Um, <laughs> cause that can sometimes be really draining. And, and when we, we're, when I talk about surrendering to the experience, the experience is that um, there are two people coming together in a, a rather intimate but closed container of experience. And there is power exchange. Um, one person is uh, giving up power and the other person is um, kind of taking the power. And so, you know, in our... Um, in our, in our culture and in our society, um, the, the norm is that um, the, the men have the power and the women uh, often don't. And so to, to subvert that norm is, is, um, is really exciting. And it's, it's definitely out of the ordinary experience of, of the everyday. And so surrendering to what that feels like um, can sometimes be scary and, and sometimes be met with a little bit of resistance, which I think is also a part of the experience, you know, like, like the, the oscillation between like um, submitting and, and trying to struggle against the submission and the resistance of that um, creates a, a friction or a tension, which to me is also extremely exciting because that is a, is a form of like, um, that, that form of energy exchange is like a back and forth and, and that back and forth, you know, the resistance and then the giving in and then the resisting and then the giving in that struggle, um, creates almost like a, a frisson and, and that, that heat, you know, to me is like so thrilling and it excites me and it pushes me and it, and it makes me feel like, like even, even more alive. So that is, um, that's, that's the, the most exciting thing for me. Definitely agree. You know, dead fish does not, is not helpful. <laughs> um, I think for me, you know, I definitely, you know, resonate with what Dia said. Um, and also a part of that is I... I like when somebody comes in and lets go of expectations, feeling like, oh, X, Y, Z needs to happen. And then this needs to happen. Or like, this is how the experience is in my mind. And so this is how it needs to happen. Um, you know, I, I see that a lot. Um, and, you know, we can't help it. All of us sort of expect, you know, certain things we, we, go to a movie and expect it to be a certain thing. We go on vacation and expect it. We go to a meal. So we, our society is really stuck on expectations. And it's something that I really enjoy when people let that go. And I think that is what it means to like surrender to the moment and to that experience is letting go of expectation. And then a willingness to be communicative, even if that communication is, you know, I'm, I totally just don't know what my limits are. You know, I know that I don't like this and I know, but, you know, even saying I don't know is communication, right? Um, instead of staying silent. Um, and those who make an effort to to dig a little deeper before they present themselves, right? Who I do like those who do their research who like 
make an effort to read everything on my website, um, to look me up on social media, to watch some of my interviews, just to get a really understanding about who I am compared to who they think I am or expect me to be. Um, And so that makes me feel like they're seeing me for me and the experience that I want to create for them compared to their image and their version in their mind that they're hoping, you know, I'll just fulfill. I want to stay in your minds a little bit, if I may have consent to do that, Mm -hmm. and realize that in sex work, in pro-doming, in anything that involves a very deep and intimate connection. The bottom will obviously have some sort of reaction and need that aftercare as well. How do you all get your aftercare? Because it's an emotional experience for you as well. Do you? Um, I think I think the most um, important part of aftercare for me is grounding, and and that looks like um, coming back to this plane and this this reality uh, with with the the more practical and and um, sense based um input and so so practicality would be you know cleaning up the the toys that i've used and making sure that they're um, in good order and meticulously clean Um, putting my clothes my normal clothes back on (laughs) Uh, not you know like wearing my my super villainous outfit anymore. Um, I like to, I like to, uh, this is a kind of like a ritual based thing. Like before I go into session, I put on my red lipstick. And then when I come out of session, I take it off. Um, My red lipstick is like a, like a, almost like a talisman of, of power. Um, And, and it's not, you know, that I need it, but I do like to have it. So uh, it's one of the things that I kind of like ritualize. Um, and having the, the kind of, I think, aftercare uh, that is necessary in more intense scenes, um, all, all, all three of those apply, you know, like the, the red lipstick, the, the grounding through uh, cleaning and then the, the clothing change. Um, but I also like to... Um, when I get home, I like to take a shower, and and that that feels like almost like a like an energy wash, you know, like like taking taking the day off. So those are those are pretty much my ways of taking care of myself. Um, for me, it really depends on the scene because, and I think a lot of subs will feel that way too. If it feels very lighthearted. Um, and it's much more of like a, a playful, lighthearted type scene, then I don't need really any aftercare, um, because it, it just, it creates a lot of, um, warm feelings in me and I'm just kind of sitting in the glow and, that's, that's really all I need is just enjoying that experience, um, if it is a definitely more intense psychological scene, which I do a lot of, um, where, you know, sometimes I'm going into these kind of deeper, darker spaces, not only in my mind, but in my sub's mind, um, and working either with like, uh, pain in a way that can be not only transformative for them, but maybe releasing um, and cathartic for both parties, you know, then, then I, you know, I really have to make sure that I sort of put myself back together. And that's a combination of just 
general, like after session ritual, you know, just like Dia, you know, cleaning the tools, putting those items back, um, putting the space back together, you know, uh, for me, you know, having, you know, a little something to drink, whether that's water, um, you know, for me, a, a shower is very important. I am definitely a water sign and a water baby. So um, I have to have a shower after I play, no matter what type of scene it is, because it's sort of where I wash things away, but it's also where I contemplate. Like I, I almost go through the day in my mind um, and sort of settle it up in my mind. You know, I do a little, you know, oh, these are the things I did. And these are this, you know, stuff that happened. And then like, okay, you know, it's all settled and sort of put to bed in my mind too. And food, you know, for me, eating something that is very comforting after a really intense scene is really important. I find that with my intense scenes, I do tend to have a meal or a glass of wine with my clients or subs afterwards as just a way of like both of us kind of grounding ourselves and reconnecting as just human beings. Mm -hmm. um, and so we don't necessarily talk about the session afterwards, you know, we sort of just like enjoy having a meal and being like regular, you know, human beings. <laughs> so that's really helpful for me. Like that's usually you know, I tend to be someone who gets a lot of top high more than anything. And so the only, the thing that sometimes I really have to be aware of is sometimes I just can't sleep because I'm just on this really big high. And so, um, so like, I, I just try to like do some like quiet meditation, breathing exercises, maybe watching something silly that is sort of mindless, just so that I'm not just like wired for the next like all night long into the morning. <laughs> no long-winded question here. Define joy. <laughs> Do you want to go first, Lucy? Um, sure, I can. Joy for me is, it's a mix of freedom and, you know, connection and being very much in the moment. So I find I can find joy in really anything I do. Um, again, like simply taking a shower. <laughs> um, I try to find joy in all I do, even in my errands, because it's really about being in that, being in the moment. Definitely agree with Lucy um, in those three components of joy, um, freedom, being in the moment and connecting, connecting whether it's to the earth or to myself or to more and more lately, the inner child part of myself that feels like, that feels free, you know, that isn't bothered by what other people think of me or how I look in this moment or how the end result is going to be. Um, joy is also a sense of play and wonder and curiosity that I don't have to, you know, um, I don't have to like, I'm not focused on like doing a good job. It's, it's, it's whatever comes out um, and, and being in the moment of like intense presence um, where this is the only thing I'm doing. I'm not trying to um, win a popularity contest also, or trying to look like a supermodel doing it or trying to make content at the same time. I'm just doing this one thing. When we return on what women and other wonderful humans want, we'll talk about what I have in common with Lucy and Dia when we return.
Hi, I'm Venus. I've been sharing my love for this beautiful relationship dynamic for, well, years now. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that finally there's a matchmaking service for single women and single men who want a loving, cuckolding relationship. It's called Venus Connections. It's a personalized matchmaking service and three-week educational program that's safe, private, and individualized for what you want. Women, you no longer need to endure the headache of filtering through blank profiles and dealing with online creeps. And men, you can stop wasting time on those fake profiles and women with all sorts of ulterior motives. Venus Connections works for you to find what you want. You can learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. You deserve the relationship of your dreams. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com, and join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want as we're joined by Lucy Sweetkill and Dia Dynasty of La Maison de Rouge. My French teacher would be so upset if I didn't pronounce that correctly. <laughs> and one of the other parts of the mission of La Maison de Rouge is the art of interviewing and enjoying how you can help people tell their stories through talking with them. And you all do it on YouTube. Tell me how that got started. Well, um, a few years ago, and in all honesty, I forget, uh, we first started on a platform that has been, um, has kind of been taken in by Twitter, but um, it was called Periscope. Mm -hmm. And we started, you know, this, conversation series initially with the idea of you know talking about subjects that we wanted you know subs and clients and people who were kind of new to know about because we were dealing with a lot of misconceptions from even our own clients and so we're like okay maybe we should kind of do some sort of like you know, talk demo series that, you know, people could watch and like learn a few things and learn stuff, um, especially in how to engage with a professional dominatrix. Um, and so we found Periscope, which, you know, was a live, you know, a live interview, live platform, basically, it was just a live streaming platform. And I came across that specifically because 
you know, when they first came out, uh, a lot of companies would use it to demo their new products and have people who are interested in, you know, using that product um, and then asking questions live. So it was kind of a way for them to like demo products and get instant live feedback from that. And then I think it became just like a in the moment, know what's going on in the world type of live thing, because a lot of news outlets would use it too for people that's happening in the moment at like a protest or this or that. But that was originally how I came across it. And I was like, wait, we can do that. And then people can tune in and then they can ask us questions as we're talking about this subject. And so it turned from like, I think we were doing it once a month and then it turned into like once every few weeks and then it turned into once every other week and then it went to every week and then now it's gone back to once every other week. <laughs> Do you enjoy getting to meet other people, Dia? Has that been fun in just comparing notes? Um, yeah, I mean, I think as an introvert, I don't enjoy being out in the world quite as much, but because we have this awesome platform and kind of channel, um, we have a purpose and a mission. And one of those is, is to bring in all kinds of different people and perspectives to speak about um, alternative sexuality and kink, which is, you know, pretty penetrating and personal topic. And so I don't have to do a lot of small talk um, don't have to do a lot of like traveling and, and, you know, like, uh, braving the streets and, and the random people that can run into you, um, <laughs> and just doing it all digitally or within the, the comfort of our play space was one of the best things about, um, getting to connect with all these different people too. And, and to, to get to ask them questions that were meaningful and that other people probably were curious about um, because, you know, not all kinky people are the same. I mean, in fact, like we're all extremely different. And especially with pro doms, you know, we don't all have the same ways of playing or desires or protocols. We're not a monolithic group of people. So it was really great to see all the different shades and colors um, preferences, experiences, you know, life lessons uh, that everybody had to share. As we wrap up, what is one thing that you have checked off your bucket list? And what is one thing that's still on it? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, I, I think I can answer this one relatively succinctly. I think that um, as a professional dominatrix, I personally never really knew how therapeutic um, this profession could be for myself and for the people that I engage with. And um, while it's no replacement for actual therapy, I find that a lot of the things that we do do facilitate healing within our clients and subs. And and for myself as well. So that is one thing that I would really like, sorry, I'm shaking, <laughs> kind of cold, <laughs> um, that I would like for other people to know is that um, there are people out there like us who care deeply about sexual wellness and health and, and general wellness as well. And that, um, that that's one of the things that, that is extremely rewarding about what we do. Um, and then the, uh, one of the things on my bucket, bucket list is to do uh, a, uh, this is kind of a big one. So, <laughs> and it's going to sound very like opposite of what I just said, but to do a um, consensual kidnapping, abduction, captivity, burial, um, role play. <laughs> 
emphasis on the role play (laughs) (laughs) and and consensual (laughs) especially since you're out on the streets of soho and you're saying kidnapping burial (laughs) i I said consensual everybody yes (laughs) lucy how about you um so just to kind of get a repeat of the question something i want people to know something that you've checked off your bucket list and something that you still want to do? Okay, so checked off my bucket list. Um, God, I feel like everything about being a dom was like on my bucket list. (laughs) Um, I think that's the wonderful thing. Like, I feel like, I don't feel like I've ever, you know, really the the big changing you know the big you know like shift for me was definitely going down this journey of being a dominatrix because i i never thought any of this was possible i never felt like i could be so like at peace with a, with a lot of aspects of myself. I struggled a lot, um, with, you know, depression and anger and all of these things, um, and trauma. And I always felt like I would never be able to escape any of that. And it really, you know, came down to the fact that there was a lot of things I was hiding about myself and being going down the kink and BDSM journey, being a professional dominatrix really opened up the doors, you know, the, the ceiling, the everything to be like, you can, you can create whatever life you want to create, no matter how unconventional, no matter how weird, no, no matter what, because there are other people who have the same thoughts and feelings who are going to appreciate you, value you. And so that was something that I would say all around was just like, you know, like, I guess like a life, you know, goal, which was to feel really happy in my life you know, and really at peace. And it's obviously a ongoing practice and journey around that, but it feels limitless. Um, And that really started when I went down this path. So um, in regards to what is on my bucket list, I would have to say, you know, this is more just a life thing compared to a kink thing. But with the state of our world and like, you know, like global warming and things going extinct, I'm a big traveler. I also am a diver. And my bucket list is to, you know, dive in as many places as possible and see the beautiful ocean and all its glory and depth that may not exist the way it like even in a year and two years and three years um they've shown you know so many reefs to just go dead right so many coral just dead and so that has changed in such a short amount of time and so my bucket my goal in my life is to be able to dive in all these like beautiful places and see things before they might not exist anymore in my lifetime. And that sounds like the perfect example of inner peace, just being down there amongst things that make you feel amazed. And I love that. Would you both be so kind as to tell us how we can connect with you all? The best way to get um, any idea of who I am is to, is to see me on Twitter. Um, I am Domina Dynasty on Twitter and DominaDynasty.com is my website. I love how you say Domina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, the easiest way is to just look up 
very unique name, Lucy Sweetkill. Um, you'll end up finding me on Instagram, Twitter. Again, prefer Twitter over the other platforms um, for, you know, censoring <laughs> situations. And my website is lucysweetkill.com. But I think if you Google both, you know, Dia Dynasty or myself, Lucy Sweetkill, you'll find a whole slew of things because we have definitely been interviewed many of times on different publications, um, different, we've been on different podcasts, um, you know, and other just various projects. If you kind of want to see all the, the scope of all the things we participate in. I am so glad and quite honored that you chose to spend some time with me today. And it has been an absolute joy getting to interview both of you. I have learned so much and really admire not only where you've come from, but I can't wait to see where you're going to go from here. Thank you for being with us. Thank, Thank you. you for the op- Thank you for asking such fun questions and for the opportunity to let us say whatever we want. <laughs> yes, very much. Thank you. That is truly what women and other wonderful humans want. It's a lot different hearing that interview, knowing that their love, La Maison de Rouge, is going to be no more. I know these two women will go on to be an amazing positive influence within the kink community, not only in New York City, but around the world. I'm so honored they took the time to talk to me. Next week, We'll have the Philadelphia-based dominatrix who stands six foot tall and enjoys the highs in life in other things as well. It's Miss McKenzie. She joins us on the program next week. Until then, I'm John, as always, proudly known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.